0: So I said get to Colossians and I did not. So we're going to be in Colossians uh, chapter one. If you want to go ahead and turn there, like I said, General Electric Power Company. That's how I remember it. So I remember being, sitting in these services at, around Christmas time and celebrating Jesus and being excited that that the baby was coming and we're we're singing about this baby we're singing about this king and I'm just really not getting it like we have big grand statements about how the baby the savior and just just kind of missing it and this morning I'm going to assume with as many guests as we have there's probably somebody in here that does not does not know Christ, or doesn't understand this message. Matter of fact, Melinda did a great ministry a couple of weeks ago with her team, and they had, uh, they, we opened up the church for the, the Friday nights for them to drop their kids off and go shopping or whatever. One of the kids, during her explaining who Jesus is in the Christmas story, said, she said, and y'all know this story, and he stopped her. and He's like, no, I don't. Tell me. So we, we know there are people here this morning that don't know this story, and what, what I want to do for you is I want to answer the central claim of the gospel for you. What what, what we're here is, so the, the question I want to answer is, why the cute baby? Why the manger? Why once a year are we celebrating this baby? Why do we claim that this baby is a king? And how can this baby bring joy and peace to the world? So that that's that's what we're going to answer this morning. And I get maybe, maybe, maybe this church thing isn't your thing. Maybe maybe, uh, you came to make your grandma happy because a kid was in the play that you're related to, or maybe it's your cousin. Like, whatever the reason is you're here this morning, first, I want to say welcome. But second, I want to let you know that a lot of people feel like Jesus is something that they can put off until later in life. Like, that that's something I'll get to later. Jesus is the king. He, he's here and he's waiting for you now. He's waiting for you this morning. Um, maybe Maybe your story is that you've rejected Jesus because somebody who you love, maybe a mom or a dad or a church leader, was a hypocrite. And because of their hypocrisy, you... You don't want to be a part of this Christianity thing. Well, I, I want to. I want to tell you this truth this morning. Their their actions do not negate the truth of the gospel, and they're going to be accountable for their hypocrisy. But you're going to also be accountable to God for for the truth that's that's in the scriptures. And look, I'm going to let you know up front, like. Christians, we lead with this. We're failures and we're not yet made right, but God, because of his mercy, has saved us. So a lot of us, we, we look at people and we're like, you're a Christian and you're still a sinner, a hypocrite. Well, that's, that's kind of that's what we're, we're trying to do better. But it's about the grace and mercy of Christ. So here, here's, here's the central claim. And if you just give me a couple of minutes. Now, a lot of people believe the central claim is that, that we are just to be a little bit better. Like, we, God wants bad people to be good. That's not the claim. Or that Jesus is going to make you a little bit better. That's not it. This is it. You'll see it on the screens. The central claim is Jesus is God. Jesus came to earth to die so that we would be saved from our sins. And a lot of times we miss this last part so that we would reign forever with him. So let's, let's look at our text together. Colossians 1, 19 through 22. Oh, the wind blew my page over. Or a couple pages over. All right, here we go. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you... Who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. All right, so this is, this is where we're going, verse nineteen. I want you to look at verse nineteen. We're gonna see who Jesus is. All all eternity hinges on this question, who is Jesus? And Colossians 1.14 says this, in whom, this is talking about Jesus, we have the redemption and forgiveness of sin. So verses 15 through 19, Paul, that's the guy who wrote this, he's making the case that Jesus has the ability to do this because Jesus is God. And then we picked up in our, uh, in our message this morning on verse 19, because in verse 19 it tells us, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So in Jesus, all the power and deity of, of God dwell in the person of Christ. So we celebrate Jesus as king this morning because Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh. Um, look, at, look at the screen at John 1, 1 through 4. And this is how the apostle John explains the deity of Christ. He says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Notice the word was with God. And the, word, and, uh, and the word was God. So the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that had been created. Life was in him. That's the word, that's Jesus. And that life was the light of men. So how do you know that's Jesus? I feel like you're jumping ahead. Verse 14 tells us that the word became flesh and took up residence among us. Maybe your translation says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God is being explicit all throughout the Bible that this Jesus is God. I mean, that the message we had from Isaiah last week, the whole time Isaiah is equating this Messiah, this coming one with God the Father. So the, the Bible teaches that God is Trinity, and that Jesus is one with God. So look at the screen. This is is a doctrinal statement. The doctrine of the Trinity means that there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. Hey, we're pulling no punches this morning. He he is in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Stated differently, uh, God is one in essence and three in persons. These definitions express three crucial truths. You'll see them on the screen. Here's the first truth. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are distinct persons. The second truth, each person is fully God. And the third truth is, there is one God. So you might have heard a well-meaning friend at some point say, you know, let me explain the Trinity this way to you. It's like I'm a, a dad, a brother, and a husband. Well, no, that's a heresy. And if you've done it before, it's okay. Because I am still the same person. I, those are just different roles. Those are just different relationships I have. But God the Father is distinctly different from God the Son and God the Spirit, but they are one. And look, He doesn't expressly give us every detail of how this works out, but this is the truth that has been revealed to us in the New Testament. So, um, God is uniquely different. He's one in essence and three in persons. Let's, let's look at how God explains the deity and the role of Christ in Philippians. So you'll see on the screen Philippians 2. Philippians 2.6, talking about Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, so this is the pre-incarnate Christ, this is before Jesus came to earth. He was in the form of God. He did not count, uh, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he's he's humbled himself, but he emptied himself by taking the form of the servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death on a cross. So Jesus, before he shows up on the scene in the Gospels, before we sing away in the manger, before the angel shows up, before um, uh, Mary is impregnated by the Holy Spirit, before before all the things. Before the earth began, Jesus was. And Jesus is equal to the Father. Verse 7 shows us that God became man. John 1 14 says the word became flesh. And I want you to understand that this is the king who we celebrate today. This, this, is, not a, this is not a person to be put off till later in life. God is, God came and God lived among us and God is in this room today and he's calling you to celebrate him as king. So, you know, a a lot of people say, you know, "Ah, the whole God part of Jesus, I don't know about that. But Jesus was a good guy. He was a prophet. Well, you know, C.S. Lewis He's an old apologist. He has a, this, this real famous quote that either Jesus is a lunatic, a liar, or the Lord. So if a dude is claiming to be God, is he a good guy and he'll not be God? No, he's a liar and he's a lunatic. But Jesus is not the liar or the lunatic. Jesus is Lord. And a lot of people, they're like, well, Jesus didn't believe that about himself. That he was God. Look, Jesus' claims to be God, that's what got him killed. You gotta understand that. The Jews understood what Jesus was walking around and saying. He was walking around saying that I'm God. Even at Jesus' trial, Jesus had the opportunity to, to get off. And standing before the Sanhedrin, they asked him, they said, Who are you? And what does he respond with? I am before abraham i am you, you'll remember in the old testament when when moses meets god on the mountain right and he's supposed to go to pharaoh and he, he's supposed to go to pharaoh and say who who am i supposed to say he sent me and this is how god identifies himself we we say yahweh but he says i am that i am when, when Jesus was standing there on trial, he took the personal name for God himself and said, I am. Jesus understood himself to be God. The Bible understands Jesus to be God. Jesus is the God of the universe. And that's the reason that he has the power to, to purchase us from our sins. So look look back at your Bible. And if, if, if you're a believer here, I want you to notice what we're doing this morning. So first, we're answering, who is Jesus? This, this is how you share the gospel. Who is Jesus? Second, we're going to show the need for Jesus. Third, we're going to show how Jesus pays our penalty. And finally, we're going to show what we get in Christ, that we're going to be blameless and above reproach. So let's, let's, let's look back at our text right now. Um, we're going to see your need for peace. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you who were once alienated, that's you. That's, we're not talking about somebody else. You were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death. So why did God say we need peace? Why, why, why did Jesus come to make peace? Verse 21 says... Because we were alienated by our evil deeds. You might be like, hey dude, wait a second. You you got up, you start yelling. Like, you're not gonna sit here and accuse me of being evil. Well, first, I didn't make that accusation. But let's 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 look at this because I'm not here to condemn you. Nobody's condemning you. This is just This is just the truth of the gospel. So most people, we live in the religious South, right? And most people in the South believe that they're going to go to heaven because they're a good person. So let's, if you will, pretend with me. Imagine, like really imagine, that you are standing before God at his judgment seat. And... God looks at you and He says, "Whatever your name is, why should I allow you into heaven?" And when I've, I I use this everywhere I go, and I've, I've 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 shared the gospel this many times, and most of the time I get an answer something like this: "Because I'm a good person. Maybe Jesus, like Jesus, did a little something in me, but." I'm a good person. That's why I'm going to get in. Well, if you will, if, 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 if in our mind, as like the collective, we kind of think that being a good person gets us into heaven, would you take the good person test with me real quick? And before we take the test, I just want you to know that I failed miserably when I took it. So it's, we're just going to talk about some of the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments kind of represent the whole of the law. Now, there are a lot more laws, but these just kind of represent the whole of it. So one of the commandments is not to tell a lie. Have you ever told a lie? This is a good person test. Don't lie about lying. <laughs> so if I, if I tell a lie, what does that make me? A liar. Have you ever told a lie? What does that make you? A liar. Another one of them is... Uh, not to steal, no matter the value. Whether you're stealing an answer off someone else's uh, paper in class, or you're not paying your taxes, or whatever it is. Have you ever stolen anything, no matter the value? What does that make you? A, a thief. I love when people say, stealer. It's like, no, you don't play for <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> but you might be here, and you're like, Look. Lying and thieving, that's a little bit much for an eternity in hell, right? Well, uh, let's, let's, let's look at a few more. So we're not going to do all 10. Let's just do two more real quick. Like. So another one of them is, let's, let's amp it up not to commit adultery. And, you know, maybe you've never cheated on your spouse, but you're like, you know what, before I was married, but I wasn't married, I ran around a little bit, uh, but Jesus looks at not just the, the, the action that we carry out, but he looks at the intent of our hearts. So he says, if you've ever looked at a, another person with lust, doesn't matter if you're married or not, in the eyes of God, you've committed adultery. So I don't even have to ask. So far, if we're honest, we're lying, thieving adulterers. Right? Well, you might be like, well, it's not like I ever killed anybody. Well, glad you glad you brought that one up. Um, you know, one of the laws is not to commit murder, and you know, most of us walked in very, very uh, not in chains this morning, so I'm assuming none of us have committed murder like that. And but Jesus again in Matthew uh, five twenty one. He says, if you have anger in your heart against someone, then in the eyes of God, you've committed murder. So, again, if we're being honest, we're lying, thieving, adulterous murderers. And that's just four of ten. And I guarantee we're going to go ten for ten if we take it. But... So if you're hoping to get in to heaven on being a good person, you've got you to be standing sitting in your seat this morning going, I've got no hope. And look, Romans 3.23 tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. So before we took the test, I knew you failed because the Bible told me so. Um, James 2.10 says if you stumble in one part of the law, so the smallest... Mm, If you stumble in one part of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. And the Bible tells us that God's wrath is going to be poured out on all unrighteousness. It's true. So going back to this passage, that's why we are alienated to God. That's why we need peace with God. Because the wrath of God is going to be poured out on all unrighteousness. Romans six you'll see it on the screen. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but this is a big but in the Bible. You didn't know the Bible had big buts. This one's got one. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Death here is eternal separation from God in hell. Don't misinterpret that. It's We know it's been appointed once for man to die. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about eternal separation from God and hell. So let's pretend that we work at McDonald's. And I'm just going to use some round numbers because you don't want me doing math on the spot. So let's let's say we're working at McDonald's. We get paid $10 an hour. Now they're getting paid a lot more than that, but whatever. Um, You're getting paid $10 an hour. And you work for 10 hours. Before Uncle Sam gets his cut, how much do you make? $100. Man, I should have did funny numbers to see if y'all could get it quicker than that. Um, yeah, it's, you, you deserve $100. But what if your boss said, uh, you're getting a 50 this week? That's not fair. That's not what we deserve. We are a people who want what we deserve, aren't we? We, we would raise all kind of cane. No, I I get another $50. I want what I deserve. For the wages of sin is death. Your just wage at the end of your life is punishment in hell. We as a people, we scream, we want what we deserve, but we really don't. I'm gonna teach you two words this morning, grace and mercy. First, we're gonna talk about mercy. I love mercy. Mercy is not getting what I deserve right? What do I deserve? I deserve death and hell. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm not getting what I deserve in Christ. We'll talk about grace a little bit later. So we're in desperate need of a mediator. And that's how Jesus has made peace, because he is our mediator. Let's look at our text one more time. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. So Jesus has made peace by the blood of his cross, and he's reconciled us to God. He's made us right with God by his body being broken on our behalf. That's what we celebrate when we take communion. God is a just judge. And for him to pardon the guilty without payment, that would make him an unjust judge, wouldn't it? God's a just judge. In the Bible, sin is the... uh, uh, The only payment for sin is blood. Look at at Hebrews on the screen, Hebrews 9.22. Without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness of sin. Is there any forgiveness of sin without shedding of blood? No. The Old Testament, they had their sacrificial system set up um, to, to, to cover sin, but it could never take away, it, the blood of these animals could never, could never ultimately do what they were hoping it to do because God had set it up to where these, these things in the Old Testament were just shadows, Hebrews tells us, of what was going to be accomplished in Christ. Look at Hebrews ten four with me. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Remember that Jesus is God. Last week we talked about Jesus being Emmanuel. Remember that meant God with us. That God has came to rest with us. God became one of us to live a life that we could not live. To die the death that we could not die. So that he could pay the price that we could not buy. He bought our life. He bought eternal life for us. Jesus was born of a virgin, having no earthly father. It's a miracle to show Jesus' two natures, that he's both divine and human. He was totally God and totally man. Jesus lived a perfect life for 33 years. He didn't fail where we fail. He didn't fail under the law. He was perfect, Jesus did the miracles as he was prophesied that he would. Jesus, he made the the blind see. He made the deaf hear. He made the mute speak. He brought dead people back to life. He he fulfilled every prophecy concerning him in his life. That's what this this Jesus did. And then the God-man He allowed people that he created with his hands out of the dirt. And he breathed life into them. He allowed these people to hang them on a Roman cross. Why? To make peace by the blood of his cross. He's now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death. Jesus has allowed his flesh to be ripped open and his blood to be poured out to pay our debt That's the claim of the gospel that God did that on our behalf because we are wretched sinners. That's what the gospel says. So, why did he do this? Because God is love. He's a God of love and he's a God of justice. God loved us. That's why he sent his son to die on our behalf. God, God demands justice and payment for sin. That's why Jesus died for us. Here's the deal. Someone's going to pay for your sin. Jesus has already done it. Or you have the opportunity to do it yourself for an eternity in hell. So often I feel like preachers stand in front of you and they just coddle you all the way to hell. That's not what we're here for. It's to to call you to Christ. So but we've been saved more than just from hell. I want you to see this. We've been saved to heaven. Um, look Look at verse 22 with me. We've been saved to be holy and blameless. So far, we have learned that God in the flesh, he allowed himself to be killed on a cross for sinners. Now, verse 22 gives us the why, and this is super cool. Look at it with me. In order to present you Jesus did this in order to present us, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Jesus is going to present me and you to the Father. That's grace. Remember, I told you, here's the, the two words, mercy, not getting what I deserve. I deserve God's wrath, didn't get that in Christ, but grace is better. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. I don't deserve to reign forever with God. I don't deserve to be adopted and to be an heir to the king. I don't deserve to be presented to the father as blameless and holy and above reproach. We don't deserve this. Why do we get this? Because he became sin who knew no sin in order that we would have his righteousness. So here's the deal. Jesus took our sin on himself it's a substitution. He took our sin on himself and then he gave us, he clothed us with his righteousness. He clothed, clothed us in his holiness. So let's go back to that scene at the great right, white throne of judgment. When God asked why he should let you in. For those who are in Christ, Jesus will take you and he will present you to the Father. No question asked, because when God would see you, when God sees me, he does not see me in my wretchedness. He does not see me in my sin. He sees me in the righteousness and holiness and blamelessness of the son. He clothed me with that. And here's something cool. For those of you who are in Christ, this is something I can't get past. So one of my favorite truths in the Bible is this already not yet idea. So we've already been saved, but we're not yet in heaven, right? in Christ in this moment you are as holy and righteous as you will ever be for all of eternity now we're we're not yet there like if you're around me very long you're about to figure out how how fallen and sinful I still am but we've been given it's been placed on us we get to wear the righteousness of the son of god as if it's our own that's grace Verse 22, that, that, that last, uh, this above reproach, the, the language, the literal meaning there is no more accusations. Who's the accuser? The devil has nothing to say when we are in Christ. We will reign forever with God. We're not going there as servants, we're going there as sons and daughters. We've been saved to worship and enjoy him for the rest of our life. So why do we celebrate this cute baby? Why do we claim that this cute baby can bring joy and peace to the world? We celebrate the baby because of the blood that he came as God in the flesh to pour out on our behalf so that we could have his righteousness, so that we could have joy of not knowing, like all the laws, I'm not crushed by the law. I'm free from the law. I've got peace. There's no striving in me because everything I have to accomplish, Jesus has already done it for me. That's joy and that's peace. And a lot of you, you're tired trying to figure out, how am I going to get to heaven? It's all Christ. He's done it all. All that he requires of you, it's Christmas season, right? If... I hand you a present and you say, wait, 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 wait. Let me me go get some money so I can give you uh, something in return. That's offensive, right? That's not a gift. That's, That's a transaction. You can have this free gift of grace for free or you can have it not at all. Walking in by faith saying, God, I'm like, I've, we've already at least confessed together that we're lying, thieving, adulterous murderers in the eyes of God. God, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I'm fallen. Save me by the blood of your son. And the Bible tells us today is a day of salvation. You will be saved. That's, that's the truth. As Brandon comes up, I want you to, we, we're gonna sing a song of response When, when we come before God and we hear the word preached and we sing, we sing the songs about him, we have two responses. The first response is, um, might look like repentance or praise. It's acceptance of whatever's been taught. Or the other response is rejection. And rejection might look like outright hostility, but a lot more often what rejection looks like is apathy. Your heart's, your heart's been pricked and you just walk away and don't do anything about it. I, I pray right now that you would just come and, and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And for those of you who are in Christ, I found this quote yesterday and I just hope it brings you encouragement. It's from John Owen. He's an old dead guy. He says, we can begin each day with this deep encouraging realization. I'm accepted by God, not on the basis of my personal performance, but on the basis of the infinitely perfect righteousness of Christ. So if you will, stand your feet and bow your heads. I want to invite you during this time of worship that you would Come forward if, if you if you want to have a conversation about what it looks like to, to call in the name of Christ, I'd, I'd love to talk to you down front. I see Greg in the back. I know he'd love to talk to you any of these, any of these men standing up. We, we would we would love to, 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 to help walk you down that journey or maybe there's something God's calling you to repent of. We, I'd love to pray with you. I'm gonna be right here and um, I'm going to pray.